0: Well, it's so good to see all of you everybody good to see you to all of our guests welcome we're honored to have you thank you so here's a little bit of humor to hopefully just make you smile so there was this man and he was going to catch a cab in new orleans and cab come by and it's perfect time and he got in and the cabbie looked at him and he said man that was just perfect he said you're just like frank and the passenger said frank he said yeah man he said frank Feldman. He said he was perfect. It's just perfect. He said, uh, man, he knew how to navigate around traffic. He, he was, he was just so good with, uh, you know, ladies, he knew how to handle people. And he he, he always wore his clothes were immaculate and his shoes were highly polished. He had a memory like a computer. He remembered people's names and birthdays. He was so great at writing thank you notes. I mean, the man was just perfect. He was absolutely amazing. And So the passenger said, wow. He said, that sounds like an amazing guy. He said, how how, how did you meet him? He said, well, I actually never met Frank. He died and I married his wife. I look at and I see veterans of, of the faith and it is so good to see brother and sister Heyman, brother and sister Heyman, would you wave your hand this morning? These are veterans, wonderful ministers. We're honored to have you. I'm going to just go right into what I feel in my heart. If I uh, just weep this morning, just weep with me or don't pay me any attention but um, what I feel in my heart I feel it very strongly and I just want to give it to you how I feel it in my heart so today I'm going to be talking from the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and I'm going to do part two the reason why God made you Father would you just take Lord and let this be more than just Words off of a page, but let it, Lord God, be a seed that can be sown in a heart that is open to receive. And help me today to speak it the way I feel it. And I give you thanks and praise. And everybody say, Amen. God bless you. you can be seated. Well, I grew up in church, my dad. As a pastor, in fact, I want to thank all of you for allowing my wife and I to go to Florida because I went specifically to Florida this week because my dad was honored at a conference that over 15,000 to 18,000 people attended. My dad was honored for over 40 years of ministry. And so I thank you for allowing me to go. I grew up in a pastor's home and I deeply appreciate my heritage and where I come from. But I want to explain to you what was our routine for as long as I can remember, probably since I was at least 15. And if you think that I'm exaggerating, you're welcome to talk to Janet or you can talk to my sister, Sherry. Here was our routine. So on Monday, we had it kind of easy on Monday, but we were exhausted from the rest of the week. Because on Tuesday we had discipleship class and my dad taught that class from about seven until nine o'clock on Tuesday night. Then on Wednesday night, we had church and we went to church from seven till literally nine o'clock, sometimes nine thirty. No exaggeration. Thursday night, you were encouraged to teach a Bible study. Friday night, we had all night prayer every night where everyone came and signed up for an hour. We started at six p.m. and went to six a.m. And of course, my dad being the pastor felt like that we needed to take the more difficult hours. So we were always there at two a.m., And normally we stay till 3.30, no exaggeration, sometimes 4 a.m. in the morning, every Friday night. Then Saturday we were expected to get up and my friend Chris and my other friend Tara, we had vans and we went out and we knocked on doors and we run van routes on Saturdays. Then on Sunday mornings, we had what was called the hour of power and we met at church from nine to 945 and we prayed at 10 o'clock was church. We always went to 12, 1230, sometimes one o'clock. We didn't have a lot of restaurants in Cleveland where I grew up, so we would drive to Kingwood and eat it. Lubies, because my dad loved lubies, and we would have the Luann platter and then we would get home about three or three thirty and then we had choir practice at four thirty and I was a drummer so I was there we practiced until five and then or five thirty at five thirty we had prayer until six and then at six we had church and normally we never let out before eight thirty or nine that doesn't include all the revival services that we had with Freddie Clark Because Freddie Clark, he was long. And we would go, again, I'm not exaggerating, we would go on a Wednesday, Thursday night, sometimes on a midweek until 10 o'clock with Freddie Clark. And we had revival all the time. So I grew up hearing more. Let's do more church. Let's teach more Bible studies. Let's go to more prayer meetings. Let's give more. Let's be more. Let's give God more. And why I don't regret hearing that at all, because I love my heritage, very seldom did I ever hear about how much God loved me. It wasn't about me receiving something. It was about me doing something. And again, I do not begrudge my heritage. I love, absolutely love where I've come from. But I do recall hearing more about the judgments of God than I do recall hearing about the love of God. Now that I've gotten a little older and I've really uh, just didn't take my. Um, let me say it like this. Now that I've gotten a little older and I've dug some things out for myself, I'm here to tell you that I've not arrived, but I have left the station and I have dug extensively and studied extensively and I've read extensively on the nature of God. And as I have grown older, I have learned not a lot, but a little about the love of God. And I think as I have gotten older and also have become a parent, I think becoming a parent helps you to get a little glimpse about God's love. For example, if you're a good parent, then you know that as soon as your child is born, Even before they're born, they start receiving your love, they receive your care, they receive your attention, and they receive a lot of your finances. (laughs) As a parent, though, you did not expect when your child came out of the womb to hand you a check for $233,610. Now you say, why did you use that number? Because I've researched it and I've found out That the average middle income family invests $233,610 to raise their child. So I can promise you this that when you went to the hospital and had that little bundle of joy delivered, that little young man or little young lady, when they came out of the womb, did not hand you a check for $233,610. I can also tell you that the doctor didn't hand you a check and the hospital didn't hand you a check. You paid good money to have that little bundle of joy that you were about to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into. Can I get a witness? Now, it is common for us as parents to literally give hundreds of thousands of dollars to our children, to raise them, to shower them with love, To sacrifice for their future, to help out with their projects, to take them to band practice, to take them to sports practice, to take them to beta, to take them here and do this and just to help with anything that they have going on. And we are constantly as parents and not grudgingly for the most part, pouring out whatever our kids need at the moment. And yet, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, it is still hard for us as parents to believe that God loves us and makes us the object of his love. I really think that as parents, somehow we feel that we love our children more than God loves us. However, the more I study the nature of God and the character of God, I realize that I could never love my kids, our kids, more than God loves me. In fact, the only reason why I know love is because God is love. Just as we parents don't have children for them to be our servants, our slaves, or our soldiers. God did not create you to be his waiter, his warrior, or his worker. God has called every one of us in this room to be his sons and his daughters. I want you now to focus your attention on Ephesians 1 and verse 4. New Living Translation. Please look at it. Even before he made the world... God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. See, the reason why we have conflicts and we get divorced and our love wears out is because we're operating in human love. God doesn't love us through human love. He loves us through an endless love, an unconditional love. And this is hard. It's hard for us to fathom the unconditional love of God. But the reason why you walk away from a person is because you no longer see their good. All you can see is their faults. God does not see us through our faults. Even if you have done wrong this week, God is not looking at you through the sin that you have committed. God loved you before there was ever even a you. And He made this earth. And He's never charged you rent to breathe His air. And He's never charged you rent to live in His space. But God made the entire universe because He wanted a family. And He wanted a family not because He is not God, but He wanted a family because He wants relationship. And God wanted a relationship with you And I, before we were ever in our parents or in our mother's womb, he already loved us and he chose us and he created us to love us. I want to challenge our mindsets this morning. I want to challenge every mindset in this house, especially if you grew up like I did. Do we really, ladies and gentlemen, believe that God loves us, that he chose us, In fact, He chose us before He created the world. He called us out of darkness. He placed us into His light. He went to the cross to save us from our sins. He has prepared for us a home in heaven. But in the meantime, He's pretty much mad at us. Because what I heard growing up was a lot of the judgments of God. And again, I'm not begrudging that. I fear God as in I reverence Him. But I don't fear him as though every time I do something wrong, he's out to get me. I reverence God because it is only God who can destroy both soul and body. But I don't fear God in the fact that when I mess up, I better start looking over my shoulder because he's out to get me. That is simply not true. He made the world because He wanted a family and He made you because He wants you to receive His love, not just go out and do something for Him. Here's what I believe, ladies and gentlemen, with every fiber of my being. I believe that when we get the revelation of God's love and when it goes from a, just a head knowledge an understanding in our heart I think it is literally going to transform your life see the reason why you're bored with the love of God is because you've never experienced it you say how do I experience the love of God I've shared this, this with you before as long as I am walking it is hard for Janet to love on me when I am running it is even more difficult when you're running from God, it's hard for him to love on you. But listen, if you'll ever stop long enough and you'll allow him to catch you, all he's going to do is love on you. He's not going to take from you because God doesn't take from people. He increases you. He gets involved with you to increase you, not to decrease you. See, this is why we haven't taught you well. I take full responsibility. When you're walking, when you're running, it's hard for somebody physically to love on you. This is why the scripture says, be still and know that I am God. The reason why we all reach for the substitute call that addiction is because we don't feel God's love and we're in pain and we're wanting to get some type of pleasure. And so instead of getting still and say, God, I just need you to love on me we run to whatever it is, is that sin or that iniquity in our life that causes us temporary pleasure. Can I get a witness? Can I talk to you from my heart this morning? I want to give you a number of things today that I feel like if you will get this in your spirit, it will transform your life. Here's the, here's one of the number one things That God's love can do for you. First of all. When you really believe. That God loves you unconditionally. We would feel accepted. Rather than ashamed. See most of you live your whole life. Most of you are living your whole life. For the approval of others. I know. Because I've lived there. I wanted the approval of men. I wanted the approval of certain people. I wanted this and I wanted that because I felt like that if I could get their approval, then I would be valuable. Here's what I am now learning. I'm just so sorry it's taken me this long. But I am learning that when I am loved by God and I have heaven's approval, I don't need man's applause. See, what, what when you really get the love of God from your head to your heart, you don't go around seeking others' approval because you already know God loves you unconditionally. That doesn't mean now that I become arrogant and say, I don't care what you think. It doesn't mean I put my nose up in the air because God never did that. And yet He knew He was deeply loved by God. So that doesn't make you arrogant. It actually humbles you. To know that this mess, God could love this mess and use this mess for ministry. It humbles me to know that God can take a crooked stick like me and still draw a straight line. It doesn't make me have arrogance. It makes me have humility that I could get up in front of this distinguished group of people and give you the word of God knowing that within my human nature I am flawed. And so are you. We were all born in sin and shapen in iniquity. Does that make sense? Look at Romans now, 5 and 1. By faith, Romans 5 and 1. By faith, we have been made acceptable in God's sight. And now because of our Lord Jesus Christ, we live in peace with him. You say, why was God so angry in the Old Testament? He was angry. You know why? Because every sin has to be punished. If God did not punish every sin, God would not be just. But because God is just, he requires every sin to be punished. Why is God not angry in the New Testament, but so angry in the Old? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now when God gets angry, he looks at what Jesus did on the cross and realizes that he took he took all the wrath that God had for mankind and Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath and he drank the cup of every sin that would ever be committed. I want you to understand, I don't believe in three Gods, but I do believe in the manifestations of God, which he was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but his name is Jesus. But God, the Spirit, looked upon the Son, the flesh, and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Why? Because he was going to take the wrath of every sin since Adam until the end of time. Did that just make sense? So that's why God's not angry with us. If he ever does get angry with us, he looks at what Jesus did on the cross and then he has peace. So God is at peace with us. Say that. God is at peace with me. How do do I know that? By faith. How do you know your sins are forgiven? Did you see them forgiven? Did God show you your sins forgiven? How do you know your sins are forgiven? By faith. I believe that he went to Calvary to forgive my sins. By faith. I believe that he loves me even though I am flawed. By faith. I believe that I am at peace with God. Why? Because I believe his word. Did that just make sense? Okay. Can I keep going? Here's number two. Here's what you would do. What I would do when we get the revelation of the love of God, we would be bold in bringing our needs before the Lord. So again, I haven't arrived, but I've left the station and I will tell you for the most part, I am very bold in bringing my needs to God. Why? Because I know I'm more than a servant. I'm more than a soldier. I'm a son. And as a son, the scripture tells me in Hebrews 4 that I can come boldly before the Lord asking for help in my time of need. See, I don't have to back into the throne. That's, that's one of the things that God did. He split the veil because before the veil was split, only the high priest could go in there. But now he split the veil so that every lady, man, boy, and girl, regardless of where you are or where you come from, can enter into the presence of God. Why? Because you're worthy. No, but because his shed blood and what he did at Calvary makes you worthy. So if you had sin in your life as a high priest and you come into the presence of God, he would kill you. But you can come into the presence of God with sin in your life now why because of what jesus did at calvary and so even with sin in my life i can still say god i'm your son i got a lot of flaws and i've messed up but i still come before you boldly why because i know he loves me does that make sense okay i gotta go romans 8 and 14 new living translation says all who are led By the Spirit of God. Or what? Children Children of God. So you should not be cowering like fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children. You have been adopted into His family whereby we cry, Father. Don't have time to get into that. But you know, I'm going to just express something to you. When, When our kids were growing up and they were little... Trey and Molly, um, they, they needed money a lot. <laughs> I felt like I, yeah, even to this day, I'm Molly's personal ATM machine. <laughs> and, I, and I love it. I actually love it. It brings me great joy to take great care of my family. But when they, when they would come to me, Molly and Trey, they never would come to me and bow down and say, Oh, thou most gracious and holy father, I, I cometh uh, to thee now uh, because thou art over the Nealon funds. And I needeth uh, thee to express thou love and give me a 20. It, it just never worked that way. It was always, Bam. Daddy, I need some money. Okay, I got it. There it is. Why? Because Trey and Molly, I'm their father. They don't have to come to me with all of that. They have access to me. Are you with me? Now, I love Lincoln. I've read a number of things about Lincoln. And actually, there's a movie called Lincoln. Lincoln. Uh, it was created by Steven Spielberg. And if you watch the movie, you'll know that one of the outstanding traits of Abraham Lincoln was uh, the way he fathered his son, Tad. And and so you, you got to get the backdrop because Abraham Lincoln is the most powerful man in the world going through the greatest crisis uh, the United States have ever known, which was the Civil War. And... Uh, if you watch the movie, you, you would see where that the, the Department of Defense, Department of War, those men were in the Oval Office having a meeting with Lincoln. And there would be literally people would wait in line back in those days. They would wait in line for up to three weeks to get a personal meeting with Lincoln. Very busy man. And then you would see Tad, his son, just barge into the Oval Office here he's having a meeting with all of these men of, of state, and Tad would just come up, tap his dad, and his dad would uh, sit down and put Tad on his lap and have a conversation with him. Now think about this: There are people outside waiting three weeks to get an appointment with Lincoln, and yet a little boy is able to barge right into the Oval Office, tap his dad. And his dad dismisses the secretary of war, the secretary of defense and says, "Tad, how can I help you? See, this is the revelation that I want you to get is God. When you come boldly before the throne, God doesn't look at you and say, hey, I got a major crisis in the Middle East. Would you give me your name? Who are you, by the way? I'll write that down. And when I've got time, I'll get back with you. Lord, would you please let revelation happen in this house? Do you understand that God doesn't put you on a waiting list? When you have a problem, you can run boldly and you can cry, Abba, Father, my daddy. And guess what? God doesn't say, hey, give me a minute. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. He will take you put you in his lap and he will let you cry out your needs to him because the scripture says that you can ask anything in my name and I will do it. Does that make sense? Here's the next thing I want to share with you. When you get this revelation of God's love, here's the third thing that's going to happen. You're going to have peace and pain. You're going to have peace and pain. Brothers and sisters, please hear me. There's going to be a lot of things that's going to go wrong in your life. You're going to have seasons of loss. You're going to have hurt. You're going to have rejection. You're going to have a lot of pain. Just because you're a Christian, nowhere in this Bible. See, we haven't taught you how to suffer well. We taught you how to be blessed and that if God loves you and approves of you, he blesses you. I want to teach you that there is suffering but He wants to give you peace in your pain. He wants to give you joy that will surpass your understanding. But see, you gotta, you got to look at Ephesians 3, and I think it is, help me Lord, verse 17. Just from memory here, it says your roots have got, have got to go down deep Into the soil of God's love. And if God helps me, I'm going to be talking about that Wednesday night. See, why does God want your roots to go down deep into the soil of His love? Because roots create fruits. And you can't love others if you first don't have the love of God within yourself. You've got to know that you are unconditionally loved by God because joy comes from the fruit of love, peace comes from the fruit of love. And when you you know, God's got me. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know how come I got to go through this. I don't know why I'm enduring this pain, but I know God loves me. I know he sees every hair that falls from my head. I know he knows exactly what I'm going through. And when you get that from your head to your heart, then guess what? You can start having peace through your pain. This is a piece that will surpass your human knowledge and people on your. on your your job know what you're going through and they'll look at you and they'll say man if I was going through that I think I'd be in the loony bin how can you come into this job whistling you know why because your roots go down deep into the love of God if I'm going through this he knows about it and when he has tried me I shall come forth as pure gold because he knows the only thing you're taking to heaven with you is not your mattress not your pickup not your 401k the only thing you're going to take to heaven with you is your character and he is preparing you to rule and to reign throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity i tell you i feel the anointing on me right now see you say pastor why is there so much suffering in the world listen to me god could very easily take away all suffering in the world you know all he'd have to do is make you a puppet This is a very easy fix. Do you know why there's suffering in the world? Because there's sin in the world. That's the only reason there's suffering in the world. There will be no suffering in heaven. You know why? Because there's no sin in heaven. Sin creates suffering. So it's, it's a very easy fix. The reason why there is evil in the world is because God didn't make you a puppet because love demands a choice. If you're demanded to love, then that's no choice. So God gives you a choice and the choice had to be, you had to choose between good and evil. That's called sin. And because you have a choice, there's sin in the world. And people do a lot of evil things. Man, I wish I had some time. See, because sin is in the heart. Brothers and sisters, this is why that Jesus said, it's not about what we put into our mouth that defiles us. Come on, you could eat a rattlesnake. Now, I don't advise it, but you could eat a nasty old rattlesnake and it wouldn't contaminate your spirit. It's not that you ate a snake that contaminates you, it's the sin nature on the inside of you. It's not what goes into your mouth, it's what comes out of your spirit. It's what comes out of your heart. Out of your heart, the Bible says, comes lust and evil. Does that make sense? Can I keep going? So yeah, if God wanted to, if we all wanted no evil in the world, God could turn us all into puppets. Are you with me? Okay, look at Philippians 4 and 7. Here's New King James Version. It says this. The peace of God, which does what? Talk to me. All understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That makes sense? When you realize, when you get a revelation, not just know the word, but get a revelation of the word. When you get a revelation that he is good and that God loves you and the things that don't make sense in your life, then guess what? You can have a peace that surpasses understanding. To this day, I don't understand why some things have happened. I I, I don't think I'll ever know. Listen, please listen to me. If you got an explanation, it wouldn't bring them back. If we all got, I'm sorry, I don't mean to bring up something hurtful, but if we all got an explanation of what happened to Logan Copeland, it still wouldn't bring him back. Because explanations, please listen to me. Explanations are not going to give you peace. You know what is going to give you peace? It's called the presence of God. In His presence, there is fullness of joy. Here is why I keep saying we got to have the presence and the power of God in every service because you can come into a service saying why and you can walk out of a service saying I still don't understand he didn't give me an explanation but I know that God is in control I felt his peace I felt his presence I experienced his power I know he loves me and so you know what the devil didn't give me this joy and I'm not going to let him take it away I know God loves me he don't love me any more when i do better he doesn't love me any less when i do worse he loves me i'm talking this morning on the reason that god made you here's number 4 when you get the revelation of god's love how it's going to transform your life you ready we gain the courage to take risk we gain the courage to take risk you know why because everyone in this room wants somebody to believe in them We just do. And when you know that you know that you know, God loves me. God believes in me. Me and God are a majority. You know what it does? It gives you the courage to step out of your boat and say, you know what? I just believe God's going to hold me up. I, I just believe God loves me so much. Now I'm not talking about being stupid, but when God gives you a word, he gave Peter a word come Peter and you know what Peter against all human knowledge stepped out on that faith because God gave me a word when God gives you a a word it may not look like it's going to happen it may not seem like it's going to happen everything you see with your natural eye tells you it's not going to happen but when God says it's going to happen then you can step out of that boat and say I don't know how it's going to happen but I try That God is going to hold me up because he's not a man that he should lie neither the son of man that he should repent I'm going to keep saying it I'm going to keep saying it until you eventually believe it the problem is not that you don't love God the problem is you don't really believe God loves you because you think God created you to do something when God really created you to receive something. <laughs> can, I, can I just talk to you? I'm going to be honest with you. There was never a thought in my mind when we had Trey and Molly. We're having them to be our slaves. I never thought, oh, I can't wait to have a son because he don't mow this yard. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. The thought never even come across my mind. It really didn't because that's not why we had them. We had our kids to be the object of our love. God didn't have you to say, oh, I'm finally going to get some production here in this world. He had you to love you. That's the first calling is to receive something, not to do something. When you get that, it's going to transform your life. And now you're going to have the courage to take a risk. See, some of you, some of you have spent your entire life afraid to surrender your life to God. I'm going to say that again. Some of you in this room, I love you, but you have spent your entire life afraid to surrender to God. And the reason you've been afraid to surrender your life to God is because you don't know how much He loves you. I'm fixing to drop a bomb on you. You ready? It's called scripture. Check this scripture out. Look at first John four and 18. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love and it keeps going, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Again, I appreciate my heritage, wouldn't take anything for it, but it was fear-based. If you don't do X, Y, Z, God's going to get you. I'm here to quote scripture to you. There is no fear in love. Why? Because fear is what has to do with punishment, You know what's going to happen, brothers and sisters, when you get a transformation of this revelation, here's what's going to happen. You're going to start worshiping instead of worrying. Now, I will tell you, I have done work. I am doing better because I grew up a worrier. I'm actually doing better on this. This building process has helped me to do better. Because right now, I do have a lot that I can be worried about. And I know you do too. But here's where I am transitioning. When worry comes, I'm just going to start worshiping. God, you know about this building. You know about this litigation. You know where TPC is at. You know how long we've been in the gym. You know how anxious we are. So I'm going to just worship you through it because I know, Lord, that you are faithful and that you're going to bring this church through because in the end, you're not my people. I didn't die for you. I didn't birth you. You are Christ. You are His sons and daughters. He went to Calvary for you. This is not Wayne's church. This is God's church. This is not my kingdom. This is his kingdom. Can I get a witness? So you say, well, what is worship pastor? Worship is simply an expression of your love to God. Worship is more than coming here on a Sunday morning and singing the songs and clapping and raising your hands. You can worship in a small group. You can worship in church. You can worship in nature. You can worship in a prison cell. Wherever you express your love for God, that is worship. Can I get a witness? And so when you get this transforming love of God, it's going to transform you from being a warrior. To being a worshiper, you say, "Okay, pastor, how do you know when you're not feeling God's love? How do I know when I'm not feeling God's love? Real simple. You ready? You worry. When you worry, it's at that very moment that you have forgotten how much God loves you. I'm fixing to drop a bomb on you. You ready? Worry is acting like an atheist. Here it is, part two. Worry is pretending you're an orphan. I need to let that sink in. You say, Pastor, you lost me. You're, you're, you're acting like an orphan and you're acting like an atheist because you have forgotten you have a heavenly father. And you think you're on your own. And if it is to be, it's up to me. And I'm telling you, that's orphan mentality. You have a heavenly father. The Bible says this. According to his riches in Christ Jesus, he will meet your need. He also says this, I believe it's in Luke 12. He says, Don't worry about what you're going to put on, don't worry about what you're going to eat. He said, There's enough problems for today instead of worrying about tomorrow. But if your heavenly father will make sure that every sparrow is fed, and I love you so much more than I love the sparrows, then you just trust in me and know I know how to get what. What you need when you need it. Is this helping anybody this morning? Okay, I'm wrapping this up. God wants your life. He wants my life to flow out of love. I can't get into this, but here it is. The reason there's two reasons why that. The children of Israel did not get into the promised land. You can read this in your Bible. Number one is because of their unbelief. Number two is because they did not delight themselves in the Lord, their God. Now, how do I tie that into what I just said? Because many of you this morning, your life is pushed by fear. Your life is pushed by worry. Your life is pushed by duty. Well, I got to go to church this morning. Listen, i 'm being honest with you i 've been here sometimes out of duty, but I try to make it the exception and not the rule. Just sometimes you just you 're just exhausted right, and so you come out of duty but for the most part I try to make it 97% I want to come out of delight not out of duty not because I feel like God's going to be mad at me or I'm going to get punished because I haven't done enough I'm going to simply rest in God's love and when I rest in God's love I can't wait till Wednesday night because listen when you plant a tree you don't go out there and beat it and say produce come on apple tree produce Come on, I'm gonna cut you down if you don't produce. You don't do that. You say that's theatrical. I'm sorry, it, it was a little over the top, but I want you to get this message. God don't come to you and beat you and say, you better teach a Bible study. You better get a van route, You better come. He doesn't do that. You know why? Because when your roots go down deep in God's love, I'm happy to be coming to the house of God. I will look unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. It's not a duty to go to God's house. It is a delight to be a child of God. Do you believe this word, would you stand right now? Would you give God praise? Would you bow your heads? Father, I'm just amazed. I'm absolutely blown away at the unfathomable love of God. Last week, we read the text, Lord, how wide, how deep, how long. Is your love. Your love is long enough to last forever. You'll never stop loving me. Your love is deep enough to handle all of my problems, my faults, my failures, my mistakes. Your love is wide enough that I can bring you all of my needs, my problems, my failures. Your love is big enough that I can have, Lord, peace in my pain when I don't even have an answer, when I don't even know why you've done what you've done, I can still have peace because I have trust. I believe your love is big enough to help us to step out of the boat by faith and take risk and dream big dreams because you didn't ask us to do this by ourselves. So, Father, once again, Here I am, flawed, but loved. And I just want to surrender every room of my life to you. I want to learn to love you back because you love me so much. And literally, Lord, I I honestly feel like I have a brand new lease on life through this revelation of your love. And so I want to spend the rest of my life with that first calling of just letting you love me. And from that, that deep root, then I can just show the love of God to whoever. They don't have to look like me, be white like me. They don't have to dress like me they don't have to come from my background because they're a person you love them because you've never created anything that you don't love for God so loved the world that he gave and so when my roots go down deep into the marvelous unfathomable love of God and it changes my whole mindset and perspective on why I do what I do It's not based or motivated by fear. It's motivated by how can I be so flawed and God love me so much. If you want God to help you to really get this, would you step out of your pew Why, Pastor? Because I just want you to take a step, a step of action. Because I challenged this church the last 30 days. I challenged you to wake up every morning and say, God loves me. There is no fear in love. If you don't have to go right where you're standing, whether you came to the front, in your pew, in the back, doesn't matter, right where you are, I just want you to pray this prayer. God, would you transform me through the revelation of your love? Come on, would you open your mouth? I've had mine open for 45 minutes. Would you open yours now and just start talking to the Lord? receive God's word. Brother David just came up. He's very kind to me and I appreciate his kind words, but he said something that made me think. So I'm going to share it with you. I want all of you to remember this. Here's scripture. God never created hell for you. He created hell for one thing and that was the devil and his angels. Now I've got to do a much better job in teaching you that if you let your life be lived out of love, then you don't serve God for fire insurance because you're afraid of hell. Because guess what? You don't even plan on going there. That's not even a thought in your mind. Because hell was never created for you to begin with. Hell was created for one purpose, and that was for the devil and his angels. Why? Because they rebelled against God. Y'all, I could drop a bomb on you. You want it? Okay, you're going to have to think about this and chew on this a while. Boy, I don't know if I ought to tell you this. See, sin is not really a problem with God. What's a problem with God is not believing who He is. And who he said he is. You said, why is sin not a problem with God? Because God already took care of your sin problem on the cross. Your sins, brothers and sisters, have already been forgiven past, present, and future. That doesn't mean I don't believe in eternal. In eternal right that doesn't mean i believe in once saved always saved. it just means that i believe that god's already took care of your sin problem then that doesn't mean that you can just sin anytime you want to because it goes back to now being love based when i love god so much it's not that i want to trample on his grace i love him so much i don't want to hurt him not because i know he already took care of my sin problem i don't want to reject him with my attitude and my actions does that make sense? So brothers and sisters, the reason why the world, if they're lost, is not because of sin. God's already taken care of their sin problem. It's because they rejected Him. I, wanna, I, I know this goes totally against some of your theology, so I want to make sure I explain this. Do I believe that you need to come and repent? Yes. Do I believe you need to be baptized in Jesus' name? Yes, because that's where you cut the New Testament covenant. You take upon His name. Do I believe you need to be filled with His Spirit? Yes. Why? Because it empowers you to live this life because you can't live this life without the Spirit. Except you're born again of the water and of the Spirit. You can't enter the kingdom of God. Has that just all made sense? I know that's a bomb into old mindsets, but brothers and sisters, God loves you. He's already taken care of your sin problem. He doesn't see you through your faults. He didn't create hell for you. He created it for the devil and his angels. This is why when I do sin, I don't have to be afraid and walk in backwards. I can come boldly because I know I'm a son. It it just liberates you. It sets you free. Please don't take this the wrong way. I beg you don't take it wrong. I appreciate every compliment that I get. I thank you for your kindness, for showing appreciation. I love it. I appreciate it. I need it. But I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to go home. I'm going to enjoy my family. And if I don't get one text that says, Pastor, that was a great message, I'm at peace. You know why? Because I know God loves me. I know I'm living out my purpose. I know that he accepts me and He approved of me. Is that okay? You say, why did you tell us that? Because that's where I want you to get to. Have you ever been to a good restaurant and it was so good you just wanted to tell your friends about it? That's how I feel. The way I am now is so different. The way I feel inside is so different. I'm at peace. I'm at, I'm I'm more at peace with myself. Do y'all have time for a second service? I'm I'm sorry, but this is how I live my life. I live like a little golden retriever looking for all of you to pat me on the head and saying, "Good boy. You preached a good message. You're a good person. You sang good." <laughs> You are laughing because you know it's the truth. And you are still trying to get daddy's approval and daddy's in the grave and you're still trying to get his approval so that you can be happy because you've never understood that God approves you and he loves you unconditionally and he sees you without faults. So I make peace with people that reject me. How could Jesus go on? The Bible says this. He came into his own and his own received him not. He was totally rejected by his own. How did he keep going? Because he knew that he was approved and loved by his father. Mm. It will change your life. Father, take this word today. Not because I spoke it. because it, 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 It's not by who speaks it. It's your word. And your word is life and your word is transform it. So Lord, transform us through your love. And we want to we want to do more. Like we want to pray more. We want to teach more Bible studies. We want to have van routes and we 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 want to do more, but it's not motivated from the fear of punishment. It's not motivated from duty. It's motivated that we delight ourselves in the Lord and we just want to express our gratitude by our works of righteousness. Hereby shall you know that you are my disciples. Not if you judge one another, condemn one another, blast one another, but by loving one another. So take this word and let it be a seed. Let it bear forth much fruit in Jesus' name. Thank you for your love, your patience, your kindness. You've been great. Would you just turn around? Lauren's going to sing you out of here. Would you just turn around and give some love away as Lauren sings you out? Have a blessed day.